All right, folks, welcome to the Monsters, Madness, and Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Justin, here with a quick word before we dive in. Now in this episode, I chat with actor Matthew Peretta about scary stories, hauntings in France, Mel Brooks, Men in Tights, Theater, Alan Wake, and more. As always, thank you for listening, and if you'd like to help the show grow, please leave us a review wherever you're listening to the podcast. Anyway, without further ado, here you go. You've been listening to Monsters, Madness, and Magic. This is Alan Wake signing off. Remember, folks, it's not a lake, it's an ocean. Greetings, boils and ghouls. This is your comrade, the Crypt Keeper, here, reporting dead from the sanctuary of the strange. Tonight's macabre myth is a fright-filled feature, one overflowing with monsters, madness, and magic. <laughs> Take us back in time to when you're a youngster. Are you a book reader, yep. fort builder, troublemaker, or all of the above? I was not a book reader until I became an adult. Like I read a lot now, but yeah, after graduating high school, then when when people weren't asking me to do it, then I kind of got interested in it. That's true. Fort builder, troublemaker. We're talking like, you know, you're you're setting off cherry bombs, knocking yes, out the mailboxes. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yes, all of it. Yeah, we. I grew up in Connecticut, so there were a lot of woods out here. And so, uh, in fact, I'm I'm back. I'm living here with my kids now. And yeah, there was a lot, you know, a lot of stuff to do in the woods. Nobody watching you. So yeah. So you lived in Connecticut your whole life, then? No, I I, I came back in my 40s. Yeah. So I mean, I left and traveled all over the place, lived lots of different places, and then kids. I was like, where's a, where's a good place to raise my kids? I'm like, well, I'll just take them back to where I grew up. So it wasn't so bad. So what about your parents? Were they involved in the business at all? Yeah, both my parents were opera singers. Yeah, so, uh, and I didn't realize how, how unique that was until I kind of left home and people were like, well, what did your parents do? And I said, well, they were opera singers. And they're like, for a living? I go, yeah. Yeah, they're like, both of them? Yeah, is that weird? They're like, yeah, it's kind of weird. Opera singers. Both your parents being opera singers, what sort of music did you grow up on? What, what kind of records are spinning around the house? I mean, I was, you know, rock and roll for sure. You know, 80s was like kind of a the punk time, right? So we were down in the Lower East Side and listening and watching a lot of bands and, you know, from, but it I wasn't just like, you know, a hardcore punker. I was like, I kind of weaved in and out of, out of scenes. And did you start singing yourself or playing instruments or anything like that? Well, I, I went to the Manhattan School of Music to be an opera singer. That wow. was my original uh, original track. And then I, I realized I didn't want to be an opera singer, but I could sing. I started doing musical theater. And then I my first big job was Les Mis. I played Marius in Les Mis. Third national tour, then San Francisco Company. And they brought me back to Broadway. Yeah, that's where I, that's where I started. Music, for sure. Broadway, just sticking there for a second. Open at night, Broadway. How are you feeling internally? Are there any nerves? Are you freaking out or anything? That's interesting. You know what? I don't think I've ever talked about my opening night on Broadway. Certainly not in a really long time. Had been doing it out in San Francisco, the show out in San Francisco. We, I left the show, came back to New York, and about three weeks later, I get a call from a guy named Richard J. Alexander, who was my director, and he says, "Hey, can you go on tonight?" And I was like, "What?" 
<laughs> yeah, so I, I went down to the theater. I didn't know anybody that I was working with. I wore the costume of the guy who was doing the part, Marius. We were different size. So it's like my, you know, my, every, nothing really fit. I just went out on stage. It's like I, you know, I'd been doing it for a while. I've been doing it for you know, a year, but I, and I just stopped. So I hadn't done it in three weeks. But I knew everybody's name by the part they were playing, but I didn't know who they were just as like... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was my that was my opening night. God, I don't I I hadn't remember that. Yeah, <laughs> that was crazy. Rewinding a bit, what about your first time on stage in general? Like your first time performing a serious play? Let's see. Did some stuff early on, and then I kind of stopped. And then my senior year, I did. I think we did cabaret, senior musical, and yeah, that was it. I, it was it was just kind of my my senior years when I kind of I thought I I started doing it. But I, I did like little. Little things. Oh, no, that's not true. I was the unknown bugle boy of Cemetery Hill, and that was in the fifth grade, and I had a dramatic reading of it was a, a show called My Country Tis of Thee. It was the Bicentennial, so 1976. So would you say that's your eureka moment? You know, is that Yeah, that was it. That was a big one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the unknown bugle boy of Cemetery Hill. That was it. Still talked about to this day. Well, no, it's like everything that you've asked me, I buried deep, deep, deep within me, and now it's all coming out. So, yes, that's amazing. Yes, that's what kicked it all off, was the unknown bugle boy. <laughs> this is a question I like to ask everyone. Uh, so what scared you as a kid? I, I was scared of the dark. Sure, I, I was scared of the dark. And um, I guess, you know, like spirits and devil stuff and like all the supernatural stuff. And we all lived in the basement. Like I was downstairs. The, the boys were downstairs in the basement. That could get that, that could get dark and scary down there for sure. Was that from horror movies or books you read or something like that or um, stuff like that? It was. Uh, yeah, it was. I guess, you know. Just horror stories. I had an older brother who was, uh, you know, great at telling stories and dramatic. Mm. You know, we'd all listen. My father used to read to us, read to us at, at the dinner table. This is all, all these memories are coming back. We'd all sit at this long table and we would eat by candlelight. He would, I remember him reading Edgar Allan Poe to us. And just these dramatic readings, the, you know, Telltale Heart and the Pit and the Pendulum. Wow. And, you know, these dark Connecticut night, you hear like the... Uh, cricket cicadas out there right and we're all listening my dad is like talking about the beating of the heart you know it's like <laughs> like we're all just little kids like that and he would you know sometimes burst out you know, we all yeah that was <laughs> it was my father was scaring me maybe that was it my dad was totally terrifying well, us that's pretty a, like an awesome intense experience <laughs> yeah, yeah no it was it was good my dad my dad and my mom both amazing people both great parents really really into their kids and incredibly creative that was our platform this is another question i like to ask all actors i'm a non-actor a layman and for our listening audience out there method acting is a term we hear thrown around a lot so it's kind of become muddled over the years i find that if you ask an actor their method you get a different answer each time so what does the term method acting mean to you and what's your method you know, there's, you know, method acting is where, you know, people stay in character, right, throughout the whole, the, their whole time. I don't do that, but I respect it. Any way that you get to where you want to want to be, you know, I'm down for it. You know, it's like, you want me to call you Captain Hook for the whole week? It's like, I'll call you Captain Hook. It's, I, I'm fine with it. I mean, my method is just, is very personal and it's pretty, you know, I, I work from, you know, my experiences and my, you know, so I react to things and things are very kind of, I do things just it's it's visceral it's guttural for me it's it's not like 
I'm not a, you know, I don't work by, by formula. I keep a very loose grip on stuff and I, I it's, it's kind of a, a moving thing. And, and it's always just about trying to get into that character and find a way in. And then once I'm in, then just kind of cruise around within, in that, with that person. So, yeah, so I'm open with any way, any way anybody wants to work. And I, I feel like I can work with anybody just by just being open and uh, welcoming. How far do you go personally with stuff like, you know, say maybe you'll make a journal of your character or something or maybe stuff that may never see the screen but stuff that helps you portray the character yeah yeah i there there are times where i you know it's like i do my you know i break down a character i break down scenes you know it's like you you do all that work before and then once you're once you're there then it's time to it's it's time to to fly i feel like somebody once said to me all right so matt you put gas in your car just drive. Don't try to put gas in your car while you're driving. Do you know what I mean? It's like so. Get all that stuff done, and then once once you're on the ice, then it's it's time to play. Does your you, you know you had a big musical theater background, Broadway background? Does your approach differ depending on whether you're on stage or on screen? I mean, there are two totally different mediums. I just try to stay honest and present. And you know, one is I guess you know Michael Caine. Kane said, uh, one is acting with a scalpel. It's like doing surgery with a scalpel. One's doing it with a laser. So when you're on camera, it's, it's just a little more, it's much more subtle. On stage, it's subtle too, but it's, it's just a little more, it's just a little bigger. How do you remember that transition and happening for you going from stage to screen? I left New York and went out to Los Angeles and just started, you know, auditioning for guest spots and shows. And I guess I, I got a guest spot. And as far as knowing what to do, how to act on camera, I just kind of was copying what everybody else was doing. You know, I was like, oh, they're it's a lot smaller. I remember, I remember I was doing 90210. I was pretty far away and they were shooting the scene. It didn't look like I, I couldn't hear them. I, I couldn't. And they were like, all right, cut. And I was like, were they talking? <laughs> well, it was incredibly intimate, right? So they've all yeah. got bodies and everything. So they're all sitting together like this and just that. And I was like, that's it. Oh, wow. So yeah, it is. It's, it's a lot more just small and just, it's, it picks up every, every nuance and you kind of, again, you just copy what you just, you copy what everybody else is doing. You know, you just go, Oh, we're going to, this is how we're doing it. All right. You hit 90210, like right at the perfect time. It was red hot oh at my that God. time in the nineties. Like, was that typical audition for you? Yeah. My, my twenties, there was a lot going on at that time. You know, there was so many shows and also written for young, young guys. So yeah, when uh, when that happened, it was after it was after Men in Tights. So Men in Tights hadn't opened yet, and so I had booked that, and it just it was like it was all just so crazy for me. You know, it's like you're always that kid from that town that you grew up in. You know what I mean? So it's not everybody's always on TV. Yeah. <laughs> when you're when you're there and you're you're talking to people that you've seen in you know your whole life, you know, especially men in tights was just like you kind of feel I don't know the, the feeling is it's not that you're a fraud, but you really are just kind of visiting, you know what I mean? Yeah. You're just like this is really weird, dude. A little bit out of place, maybe. Yeah, yeah. It's like you're sitting there and with Mel Brooks and then his wife Anne Bancroft comes up and starts talking to you and asks you questions. It's almost kind of an out of body experience, you know what I mean? You're just like right. you play it cool. <laughs> Hey, that's your job. You're not really cool, but inside you're just like, yeah. So take us through, you know, landing the men in tights role. You know, in your first time meeting Mel, how did that go? The casting director was Lindsay Shag, and she was. I didn't know a lot of casting directors out there, but I had been auditioning for her, and so she brought me in, and 
I don't know, the next thing I knew, I was in the room with him. We were reading the scenes and he started uh, improving with me. And we just did this whole improv. And I remember walking out of there thinking, I think that went well, you know? And so when I got it, it was, it was a shock. I was really, really happy. And then I was absolutely terrified because then I was like, oh my God, I gotta be funny. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like, oh, this is amazing. Oh, my God, I got to do this thing. That was and that was a that was one of my first big jobs out there for sure. How Certainly. much did you know about the character? Was the audition itself just improv or did you know, you know, uh, we did the scene with the pants falling down scene. And then I yeah, I think, you know, he Mel just, uh, you know, yeah, wanted to see if you could you had a little banter, a little back and forth. And uh, we did. I, I wasn't thinking about it. I wasn't prepared. Like they didn't say, hey, Matt, when you go in, Mel would like to improv with you. It's like that didn't happen. It's just like he started going and I started going. And there's something interesting <laughs> about your youth is you don't know what what could happen. You know what I mean? So you just kind of do it. And I, I wasn't in my head. I wasn't thinking like, uh, oh, my God, how did I get here? It was kind of like I was there and it was happening and it was all just kind of for fun. And, and we were playing and, and it worked out. And it was a, an amazing experience. I think you, you interviewed um, Eric, Eric Kramer, yeah. Kramer, right? Yeah. Okay. He and I have remained friends since Men in Tights. I think we talk at least three or four times a week, for wow. sure, maybe more. I'm sure he's told you the story about his beard and his audition and almost falling out of the second story window. Okay. No, I don't know that story. <laughs> Just like you, when he auditioned for Mel, you know, he decided to do it up and, you know, do his own beard and special effects and makeup and stuff. Uh -huh. well, he realized when he got the second callback that he had forgotten the beard upstairs. His door was locked and uh, he went in through his neighbor's sliding glass door and did a whole Mission Impossible death-defying jump from his, her balcony to his to get this... Uh, to get this beard for Mel. Why do I not know this story? That's amazing. <laughs> Certainly I'll ask him about it. For sure, definitely. Yeah. Well, he made it. He did. He did. That cast is ridiculous. You know, uh, Mel Brooks, Eric, yourself, and Chappelle. How do you... Uh, he was 19. What's it like having all those personalities on set? Is there... Everybody got along and there was no... Nobody was a prima donna. It was like everybody... It was all... It was like 12 weeks of just laughing. I mean, we'd go, we'd go to work and just... I mean, everybody was so funny that it was it was a, a dream. Uh, it was a great job. I asked this to Eric and, uh, about how much room that Mel gave you guys to sort of improv. And he said that, you know, there was some room, but everyone had respect for Mel. And you know, everybody was like, you know, you didn't really want to mess up. So no, no, no. Is that no, how you remember sure. things? Yeah, no. I, Mel was, you know, he, he did give us a lot of room. I mean, he wanted, you know, he wanted, you know, it's like we were hired because of those talents. And we were all hanging out with each with each other and working with each other and working off each other, you know, things began to click and, and people were super funny. You know, Mel wouldn't stand in the way of like, you know, some somebody saying something amazing. Like the the actual dance, the uh yeah. whole thing. I remember he came in and we we had worked on it and he says, no, 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 I need, I need, I need movements with all of the the dialogue. And he's and he says, you know, I'll come back in like, you know, in like an hour. And all of that was done by us for sure. Everything, everything's done. That. And he saw it. And he goes, love it, perfect. Let's shoot it. And literally, we walked in and then we shot it. So he was, he, yeah, he, he, he likes to work, work with people, giving, giving people the, the space to create as well, for sure. And have you had any uh, experiences with Mel since then? Have you talked to him or ran into him anything? No, I, I did uh, Dracula Dead and Loving It. I had mm. uh, 
just a little a little part in that and uh i haven't i haven't seen mel i mean it's like this guy is gonna outlive us all yeah he's still working and still you know really and absolutely present and the same you know kind of remarkable i hope i live that long uh, matthew beyond men and tights you also played robin hood in a tv show was that really did that help you land that gig was that related at all no it just it just kind of happened no that was completely unrelated once I got that, I was like, all right, well, I guess all I do is Robin Hood stuff. Maybe that's, you know, my career will only be Robin Hood. <laughs> was your brother in that show? Am I wrong? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he played uh, the sheriff of uh, Nottingham. Yeah, yeah. That was fun. That I, my dad, too. It's like I, I was just going to like, I had another friend who came over and we shot it in Lithuania. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vilnius, Lithuania. And uh, people were amazing. And it was uh, an incredible experience riding horses and sword fighting. And uh, it was it was cool. So I have to tell you, just one of my personal all time favorite games is Alan Wake. So when it comes to your voice acting work, did that just happen naturally through working or was it something you made an effort to? Uh, I've been working. I've been working on that. that, that that's supposed to come out in October. We're in the middle of working on it now. In fact, I was just in Finland last week. That's the, where the company is from, uh, Remedy. Amazing mm-hmm. people. So I, um, no, I, I, I went and auditioned for this job 13 years ago. In fact, it was uh, Alan Wake's birthday on Sunday, 13 wow. years when it was released. Same day as Red Dead, I think. So yeah, I, I went in and auditioned. And then six months later, my agent called me up and was like, hey, you know that, remember that video game you went in on? I'm like, no. And he's like, uh, he says, Alan Wake, he goes, you got it. And I go, oh, what am I doing in it? And he goes, Alan Wake. I was like, oh, cool. I, and I had no, I mean, 13 years ago, you know, my kids were real young and video games were, they, you know, video games were happening, but I, I wasn't, I, they weren't on my radar at all. Right. And uh, yeah, now 13 years, man, it's like I'm in that world. My kids, my son's about to graduate college on Saturday. My, uh, my youngest is 15. And yeah, they're kind of like my translators. They like, they yeah. tell me. What it's all, what's happening? What's what's all what it's all about? But uh, yeah, but I I love love that character and and love working for Remedy. They're amazing. Now for Alan's voice, were you given much direction at all? No, I just kind of it was in the uh, in the material. Was uh, I remember going in and it was it was very dark and that voice just kind of that voice just kind of came out. <laughs> My name's Alan Wake. You know, it's, that's just, it just kind of came out. And I wasn't, you know, it's like I wasn't thinking about it. And until half a year later, I was like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what did I do? I can't remember. <laughs> what is it? Can I hear what I did? Because I can't remember it. Right. And I know you're not a gamer, but Alan Wake is such a story-driven game. It's almost like an interactive movie. Yeah. Did you, uh, did you pick that up in the script at all, reading it? Did it strike that strike you? Yeah. Again, in the beginning, it was just another audition for me. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I didn't, I didn't know how it was going to play out for 13 years. I mean, I, I've never had a job like this ever in my life, something that's lasted so long. But yeah, it's that's Sam. Sam, like, he's uh, incredibly talented and it really is he is a writer and incredibly creative and it is it's it's important to him you know that story and having things based in story like the greatest job ever have you had your kids play any of the original game for you have you seen your work uh yeah no no no. i've seen it and they and they and they play it you know the, the big joke is that they play the game and turn the sound down because they don't want to hear my voice kind of spoils it for them they're like, <laughs> they're like oh my god my father yeah it's the curse uh, you know no matter how cool your dad is he's never going to be cool to you, you know? yeah. <laughs> alan wake 2 is going to be really really good and it's it's a hard it's hard 
it's scary. I know how NDAs work, so I'll be I'll be crucified if I don't ask. But what can you tell us about Alan Wake Two? I can't tell okay. you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there, there we go. I had to ask. You know. Soon, I'm sure there'll be another trailer coming out, and you know, it's like you're gonna. They'll give you stuff, but it is uh, the the game is every time I you know I'll see stuff that they're doing. I am I'm amazed. Mm. It's really cool. Now, are you doing motion capture? Can you say that or not? I can't tell you. Okay, gotcha. I'll move on. Forget it. (laughs) (laughs) To build off what I just asked, you know, you've you've read a lot of scripts over the years, obviously. So two aspiring screenwriters out there. What are some red flags that jump off and what are some indicators that you've got a good script? I think everybody kind of knows what a good script is. And a good script is hard to write. That's for Mm -hmm. sure. Is that it's like you want something where you're not working too hard to read it. You know what I mean? It's like you, you feel like, all right, I'm working really hard to get through this. You want you want something that that moves and, you know, that it's like you're moving through it. It's not like Ugh, I'm struggling to get through this as far as what that is. You know, I don't know what that is, but it's like it's like you read. It's like when something when you got a page burner, it's a page burner. And it's like when you have something that's like that's slow and, and needs the fat to be cut off. And it's like it's like that's it. So it is. If they were easy to do, everybody would do it. It is. And so it's, uh, yeah, when I get a script that's like that, it's such a pleasure, right? It's like you grab me like, oh, my God, this is so amazing. So uh, be it on stage, screen, or in a booth, what's the most challenging project you've worked on? Is there anything that you uh, lost sleep over? Hmm. I suppose every job, when you start, there's uh, a certain amount of anxiety before you start like you, you want you want it to be good and you don't you don't really know what it is until you till you get there but i would say that i did a, a show called passion it was uh stephen sondheim and james lapine and it was the original production of it and they were you know the script was changing like a newspaper every day there was a you know people were very excited for this so there was a lot of anticipation for the show i had a part i was played the bad guy in it but i also covered the lead and we were in previews and I didn't have any rehearsal, but I did know, I did know the part. I was staying at my parents' house in Connecticut while we were rehearsing in New York. And I would just learn his part as I'm going home on the train. So I get a call on Sunday night, or it was actually Monday morning. And they go, can, can you do this? Jerry's out. His wife was in labor or something like that. And I said, I can, but I'm going to need the final song had to be, it was, I was reading a letter, the, the song, the lyrics were, were this letter. And I go, I'm going to need those lyrics. I'm going to need that, the, the letter, the actual lyrics, because I don't know it. But I did, I have sung it, but I don't know the lyrics. They go, okay. That was the craziest experience of my life. No rehearsal, but I had watched it, right? So I'm watching him doing it. The show begins with, you know, the two... Uh, Marin Maisie and Jerry and they're, it starts with her having an orgasm so they're like no clothes so literally I'm going to be naked on stage and I have never had rehearsal it was like a nightmare really Holy <clears throat> I just remember I, I remember we kind of did a speed through of it and they were like oh, oh my god you, you, you know it and I'm like yes okay I know it and I just remember it's like she got no, like, no clothes on and I'm sitting there with Marin and Lapine makes a curtain speech saying, you know, this is why I love the theater. You know, things happen, but our, our lead actor is out and we have another actor who's playing the part. He's had no technical rehearsal. So if we stop, you'll know what's going on. And it was just like game on. If the part is big, it's if you're not on stage talking or singing, you're wrong. I just didn't know where to come in. So I would come off stage and they would um, they would grab me. You know, I remember this guy's name was uh, Frank Marshall. 
He was assistant stage manager and he would grab me and push me out where I was to go. Yeah, we got through the show and it was a, it was an amazing experience. He was back the next night, thank God, because I don't think I could have done that two nights in a row. How old were you when that went down? That's a good question. Uh, 27? Uh, it was 1994. Wow, so you were still, you know, fairly, would you say you were green at the time? Yeah, I mean, I had done Les Mis. I had done Men in Tights, and I had done Beverly Hills 90210, and I went back to do the show. Oh, so you, you had some big ones under your belt by then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had I had worked. I had never done that before. I don't <laughs> think I'd ever understudy a role again after that. <laughs> it, was, it was absolutely terrifying. You wake up in the morning wondering how someone else is feeling. You know what I mean? You're like, yeah. you wake up, you're like, oh my God, I, I wonder how Jerry's feeling today. <laughs> uh, he was amazing, by the way, Jerry Shea, great guy, and was so supportive of me and that experience and that was i think my most terrifying nobis moment but also it but it, it turned out to be great but it was intense are you still active on stage at all uh no i haven't haven't been but i, I you know it's not over right it's not over. never Maybe, say never you know, alan wake the musical hey i'll be front row for that <laughs> So this is something I like to ask everybody too, Matthew, just because you never know what they're going to say. Uh, have you ever had an experience you would consider supernatural or paranormal? Uh, let's see. I'm going to say nothing that can't be explained. I mean, I just keep thinking of my... Actually, there was this time. Hang on. There was there this time. I was, I, was in, <laughs> I was in France, in Bordeaux, and we were... I was with my friend, and his father renovated these condominiums, but they were all in these structures that were like from the 1400s they're huge like the keys were like this big wow. to get in, right so they lived in one of those and i remember i was kind of tired and everybody was going out and i said you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna stay and i'm just asleep and i was sleeping on a fold-out couch and so i go and i lie down and i go to sleep i turn off the lights and i and everybody had left i thought and I rolled over and there was uh, a girl with blonde hair just kind of looking at me. And I, I turned over and I thought, oh, God, you know, it's like looking at, let's look at the American guy. You know what I mean? Like, what's going, like, what, what, what's, what's happening? She goes into the kitchen and I, I get up and I, I walk into the kitchen and nobody's there. And I sat down and to this day, I mean, what do I think happened? I think that there was a, a part of that, the group that left and I turned over and she was just... There. And then I went back, and then I that moment with that I thought that I rolled back over and she was gone. Maybe I fell asleep. You're saying no. hey, no, I was I was laughing. I'm sorry. I had myself muted because my dogs are barking. Uh -oh. <laughs> That's okay. So yeah, I don't uh, I don't know. That's an experience, but it could have been that I fell asleep and then I thought I didn't fall asleep. But I do remember getting up and walking into the kitchen. And I was like, no one is here. What was that? See, that's why I asked the question. You just never know. And usually people will say no, and then they think for a second, and then there's always a little something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little something. So beyond Alan Wake 2, Matthew, just to put a bow on everything here, what's on the horizon for you that you can share with us without getting in trouble? I'm not sure I can talk about them or that, but there's some stuff, uh, you know, <laughs> video game stuff. Right. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, it's like uh, auditioning all the time and doing that stuff. We're... Um, I've been working and will be working more on Alan Wake 2. I, I think it's supposed to come out in October, but uh, I don't know the exact the exact time of that. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, Matthew, thank you for giving me some of your time here. No, oh, keep it was really, it was really, really nice to meet you. And uh, I, I do apologize for, <laughs> for uh, being late, but um, this was great. All right, folks, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Matthew. As always, thanks for listening. 
and we'll see you back next time. Monsters, madness, and magic. <laughs>